This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. Welcome to this week's episode of the Risky Mix podcast, and part two of our chat with Anna Soffert. Anna is the Managing Director of Adidi, an advice firm which specialises in supporting women and their families. And she's on a mission to change the culture of wealth, spearheading the Are You In movement. We hope you enjoy part two of our chat with Anna. I would love to know, Anna, so the, in terms of a, a bit more about Adidi, yes. so when you're speaking to um, women and, and the, the people who work for you, whole team is speaking to women, what are you seeing in terms of the type of women that are looking for financial advice? Is there a certain demographic? Have, has that changed over time? I mean, what do those women um, look like? So you you again you've got to bear in mind the the women we're not a, a uniform community we we're quite diverse within ourselves so our client base is predominantly self earned money okay. so it okay. is predominantly whether they're young professionals to business owners um, some of them are older and some is, is inherited or more divorce maybe than inherited okay um, there are um, obviously women much more across the, the rest of the um, um, industry where you do have advisors looking after much more older women who, who inherited or through being widowed. Okay. The, the, the wealth has come down to them. I think the subset is still quite difficult in, in many ways because they, they are much more used to perhaps their partners, their husbands, dealing with their money. Right. And, and so in a way they've continue to rely on an advisor more often than not a male advisor to fulfill that role so high level of trust um which is uh, which is fine as well um there's nothing necessarily wrong with it but you you are as that generation goes you're going to end up with more and more of this independent self-earned wealth Mm. which i think is is where is much more consciously thought and here, women want all sorts of different things. Family is still important. Some are married, some are not. Um, so, But almost all of them, I think there's a values-driven view of their money. Right. Uh, and that's borne by research as well. The women want more from their money than just financial returns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So does, is that reflected in the types of investments that they mm. look at? Um, investments and also what they do with their money. Okay. In terms of... Um, uh, giving or in terms of spending it on family and friends and experiences um, so they're far less likely just to accumulate and again it's maybe the younger generation than the older ones tend to want to leave mm-hmm. you know they tend to sacrifice more and spend very little so part of ours actually with our older clients is to actually to talk about spending money okay. and enjoying it so we have this overarching sort of create invest enjoy theme and mm-hmm. that is having a balance right across your lifetime yeah. between the three rather than the industry it's almost like well come and see us when you made some money then we'll invest it for you and every, you know when you get into your 60 we might allow you to spend it typically <laughs> speaking yeah. and then yeah. there's a tension because you're earning from those investments yeah. as to every time I, mean, I realized the first time a client wanted to withdraw significant money I sort of sat there and go I think there's a little conflict here and I don't want it 
mm. because it was like, okay, my earnings for the client will go down. Mm. And so I literally stepped back and I go, this is this is twisted thinking, Anna, right? Consciously or unconsciously. So I don't want to think that. Now, if this is the right thing for the client, for them to spend the money and they can afford to, and my job is to make sure their money lasts sustainably, yeah. then they need to spend it. And yeah. my job should be to encourage them to do that. And so ever since then, we're very conscious within Aditi about that this is clients' money. Yeah. And actually, our job is to ensure they get the best value for that, from that. And financial return is just one part of that. Mm. And does that come into protection as well? You said mm. they're quite value-focused. Yes. So do they look for that same value from their life insurance, do you think? Um, Are they thinking about it, even? Yes and no. It, again, depends on the type of um, person. Uh, okay. Because I think if you've got, sort of, if you think about three personalities, create, in, invest, and enjoy, uh, the create is all very entrepreneurial. Okay? So often they, they are more open to taking risks, so they don't necessarily think about protection as it naturally. On the enjoy, same really, they're much mm. more in the moment, they don't think about so, so much about tomorrow. The invest profile, on the other hand, does think about protection and they do want right. to you know, surround themselves. So we, we don't look at protection, sort of this is wealth management and this is protection. Mm. We, we do planning, we do wealth planning. And it goes from sort of financial plan, which is really aimed at financial freedom, so when you don't have to earn any more to do whatever you want, to wealth plan, which is sort of using. So you already are financially free, and this is about how you spend your money. How do you use it to get the best value? Um, in both of those, we go through a very systematic process with the plan, and a chunk of it is what we call here and now, and security blanket. Because mm. it is all about security blanket, and some people want a really thick one, others not bothered at all. A very mm. thin one is absolutely mm. fine. Mm. So we go through, I suppose, six elements of that security blanket. So one is around readily available cash, so your emergency cash fund and a cash buffer. So we make sure everybody has that as a first portal because that's your first layer of security if something goes wrong yeah. some of those what-if scenarios yeah second is income protection so if you're long-term sick what are you going to do what so we play around with sort of this is what your world would look like with what you currently have and is that sit easy with you or not so that's usually the next layer of security blanket mm. that we talk about and if client needs it we're quite firm that they need to have it Okay. Um, and yes, they can turn around and say no, but it's part of our recommendations. That's what they have, basically. And we'll try and make it as cost efficient as we can. Um, the third is life cover. So it's sort of making provision for your loved ones. Uh, and then what I call sort of the nice to have, the critical illness is for yourself, mm -hmm. really. You've taken care of your income stream. You've taken care of your loved one. This is for yourself. Mm. And this is to give you a choice uh, lifestyle choice that if you do have a major illness do you really want to be sort of in have dealing with the illness as well as having to deal with work and everything or do you want just a pot of money where for a couple of years or so you can just focus on yourself and get better so we we look at that and then um health 
insurance. And, and for some people, NHS is fine, and for others, they want those choices. Okay. And then a will, because that's all again about the whole of the sort of all long-term care costs if they're more sort of elderly. So yeah. all of those is a sort of what we call the here and now and sort of security blanket, and everybody goes through that process. And what are your thoughts on, um, I guess, financial awareness and financial literacy of younger women, um, particularly, I mean, even if, if we're talking sort of teenagers in high school through to university, yeah. and then, you know, young, you know, emerging into the professional world where they're starting to earn significant yes. amounts of money. Um, do you find that women are at a point at that stage in their lives to be, are they well armed enough to be able to make those choices around what they do with their spending, mm. their earning? I think there's more consciousness about that they do need to do something. But this is, I suppose, again, a bit of um, my hobby horse at the moment, is that actually in the planning and in, in the industry, we need to think differently. Okay? So most women will start possibly paying into a pension. Many of them might opt out because they're thinking, can I commit to a long-term commitment when I might want a family in 10 years' time? Because most of us at that stage, somewhere at the back of our heads, is that there may be a family. Very few of us have um, sort of um, gone forward and said, I'm definitely not going to have a family at that stage in your mm -hmm. life. And so you're driven by these, you make decisions. Sometimes you don't think about the future and by default you make decisions. Yeah. Uh, because you're young and, you know, 10 years is a long time. But if you are planning, then often you're then driven by this need for that sort of immediate, sort of shorter term around buying a home, having a family. And that then drives decisions around pensions and your longer term security, which is why, well, a number of reasons why there's a pensions gap. Yeah. So I think women are, um, I think there's a beginning to be more recognition that actually we need to take more control of our money. And, and they're beginning, I think, to make use of the tools now available. And also to recognise that, you know, um, sort of being in debt or just spending without thinking about things as, as salary comes in, isn't necessarily a good thing, that they're out of control in a way. You give up control. Mm. Um, and, you know, we went through a journey in the 90s and the noughties where, you know, we maxed out on credit cards and we yeah. went on a spending spree because... We were early in our in our sort of journey of having money, and we all went a bit. Oh, this is great! Let's just spend, spend, spend. Um, and many women got their fingers burnt around yeah, debt. Right. So I think we we leveled off that from there now. Um, but I think there needs to be a lot more education, financial education in schools, not just for women but for men as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And as soon as they come into workplace, I, I do think the big corporates in a way um, and you know there are a few financial services product now for that corporate space where they need to be um, making sure that their staff have access to good education on the financial side early on that well-being aspect isn't just mental well-being or physical health actually it's financial well-being as well yeah Absolutely. Anna, I um, so I met you at yeah. your IUN conference, which yes. was a fantastic event. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about the IUN movement. Where, where, where are you trying to get to with that? So what I want, um, 
I suppose I want a real change in culture within financial services. Okay? I want us to be the best we can be. Yeah. Because we're, and the part of the, uh, the I mean, the, I'll talk about the problems in a minute. Let me talk about the vision. So what I want, we're, we're about m- money, okay? But that money can have a real amazing positive impact on people mm. or it can be really negative in people's lives. But we, in, we have an impact on all, every single person in, in this country and throughout the world. In some way, fashion or the other. So we're absolutely essential. And within this, I think we need to think about what impact we want for that to be. And at the moment, it's far too much focused on the industry and what we think we want to generate for shareholders' value or actually for the businesses themselves. Mm. I don't think that we don't have an overarching purpose a grand purpose we can be engaged and motivated with, which is why many people, not just women, but men, leave the industry. We have a you know talent drain, mm-hmm. and we're not we're not going to attract the youngsters either, without some shift in that purpose. And if you look at it, even the FCA has recognised culture was a heart of the failure in two thousand and eight. And so to to shift that culture is not just about glossy marketing brochures or big signs in corporate offices about different value words. It's actually changing behaviours. And one thing that can really work there is to have a very clear vision of what our purpose is in financial services. We don't have it. The NHS, everybody loves it because we all appreciate and understand, however bad often we get service, that they are there to serve us and, and to do the best they can for our health. And we don't doubt that's mm-hmm. what they want to do. Sometimes resources or human uh, errors make it a different outcome, but we, we give them leeway because we know they have a good purpose. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. We focus on financial return so we can sell returns to bring money in. Mm. Yeah, we don't ask whether somebody needs a financial return for their money or they just want good custody. They just want to be secure about their money. Mm. So I think we need a, a grand purpose across the industry. For my, our two pennies worth, we put on the table to say, how about if our purpose is to improve the financial well-being of our people? And that's our people internally within the industry, as well as our clients. Mm. What would that look like if we adopt that as a purpose? So I want to work with 10, 12 businesses now okay. to look and say, you know, what, what their purpose is, how are they then filtering that down into the culture space and behaviours, how's that impacting on behaviours uh, of their staff internally? And can we package, model that almost sort of best practice uh, or is there other things through our sort of individual behaviour pledges where it improves and how do we do that sort of that top down bottom up approach so that's really at corporate level in terms of let's just think about purpose and maybe get a consensus about what that looks like for the industry so we can bring everybody together and we can have a really engaging um, future if you like that brings people in and talent in and keeps it there. 
um, at an individual level. It's actually about empowering individuals to say, look, we all have power over what we do, how we behave. We may be working for a massive, great big corporate and you might feel powerless and helpless, but actually you need to own your power. You need to own who you are. Mm. And because if you don't, it comes at a cost to you. The corporate won't care. You're just a little cog in a big machine. So how you behave day in, day out at work matters. And so here are five pledges that we'd like you to consider. And we'd like you to commit to one or all five of them. Because if you actually make that commitment day in, day out, your behaviour will shift slowly. And as your behaviour and what you do shifts, others around you will shift because how they react to you depends on how you behave. And so they're little ripple that's created. And so if we have more of those little ripple, we will have a shift in culture from bottom up. And so it's at a very granular level because, you know, I'm a doer. It's, It's actually about getting individuals to think about the power they have and for their own sake, for their own well-being, to look and be more authentic, to be more, sort of speak out for, at the times when your conscious niggles because you've seen something you know isn't quite right, so instead of keeping quiet, just quietly, you don't have to scream and shout or whatever, but you can actually just go, I don't want that in my name. Mm. And so that may be how you want to treat that person, but I'm not going to agree with it, mm. okay? That's not how I would do. So you step back and say, no, yeah, not in my name, I think. And so there's little, there are five of those pledges, so being authentic, speaking up, being giving a sort of helping hand. If you're being helped, then pass it down. Yes. Basically, speaking yeah. up for those others. So there's everyday behaviours, really, and I'm, what I'm hoping, really hoping is that it resonates with people, they pledge. And if they can then, I'm asking them then to recruit five other people to take a pledge. And if we do that, uh, hopefully there is a sort of CISO change within our industry at the bottom. So hopefully the two of you are going to take a pledge or two. I've already and then pledged. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> My pledge fantastic. was to be more authentic to myself at work. Good. I'm delighted. Yeah, you should. You should absolutely. Yeah, Which one was yours, Anna? You probably you probably pledged to all five. I'm sure. No, there were two particular ones. I think it was there's another one about be, being a beacon. So one was being beacon of sort of good in our industry, mm-hmm. uh, and the second one was I think to help others. Mm. So those two were mine. No, I loved That's it. I, lo- I love the pledge. It's a really nice. Mm. It was a lovely idea actually, and a very personal thing. And I think. Yeah. You're completely right. If we all get on board with that, even if it's a small thing, yes. it will ripple out. Yes. And that's how yeah. change happens. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a little little acts yes. that yeah. matter. Absolutely, yeah. So you set up a Didi with your husband. I did. So do you work do you work closely yeah. together every day? Oh yeah, pretty much we come into work together, go home together. <laughs> and um, that has been an experience <laughs> and a journey. Um so probably, I think if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would you work with your husband? I'd be like, no way. 
would kill each other or you know yeah. we would divorce <laughs> so it's taken a few years we're in a in a, a smooth groove now I think we're sort of ironed out a lot of the issues but yeah it's it's um it's it's challenging like with all relationships so I, I think on one hand you have somebody you can you know you can totally trust because your interests are aligned um, on the other hand we are very different people characters right. if we're, we're in a good place now we have a good team um, and it's it's sort of becoming like a family yeah yeah um, and a lot of it is just to do with those behaviors day in day out yes, absolutely. Um, so um, yeah it's I'm not I don't think it's for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and how's that been for your daughters and generally in family life do you think do you think your daughters will follow you into the business <laughs> no <laughs> no um, no my um, my eldest is um, she's a people person though um, so she's um, actually she has come into the industry so that's her first um, job in financial services so who oh. knows maybe I should watch out <laughs> but she's she's into um, um, uh, people she's a business psychologist so oh, wonderful around people engagement um, people um, motivation diversity so in fact I think she's just going to nationwide so they've, they've they're trying to bring cultural change and cultural shift and they're bringing I think engagement diversity and there's another stream there which I can't remember so they want um, to work across all three of those to to bring those sort of shift and change so uh, we'll see how she gets on but she I'm hoping she can help me with the movement if nothing else yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely and your younger youngest daughter um, she's not with us anymore. Oh, she, right, okay. She uh, passed away about 10, actually in 2008 when I launched a Didi. Okay. So it's a quite a, um, um, a highs and lows. But she taught me a great deal. And um, I suppose she taught me it doesn't actually matter how long you live mm. because it's what you do and how mm. you live your life. And she lived her life to the full, probably fuller than I have lived um, mm. So she's she's my role model um, in lots of ways. So um, I'm very, you know, whenever you feel, um, whenever you are faced with um, adversity, I suppose, in your life, you have a choice whether you take, whether you look at it positively as to what you have got out of it yeah. or you look negatively as to what you have missed. Yeah. And so I had a sort of choice of thinking about all the things you know, she's never going to go through sort of, you know, growing up. I've looked and said how much I have had, and I value that. Great. Thank you, Anna. I think, I think that brings us to about the end of the podcast. We've just about run out of time, but it's been great having you here today. Thank you very much for, for joining us. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank I wish you I so could much. spend all my Friday afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be more than happy to have you back. Yes, <laughs> yes. You've, you've, yeah, you've said some incredible things today. And um, if you would like to come back on, we would, we'd be very happy. I'd be happy. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via our Twitter account at Risky Mix. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, please get in touch.
See you next week.